extra points if I come in the middle? <laughs> okay. <laughs> What does it look like when God's kingdom comes on earth? Can you imagine? I mean, would we have better coffee? <laughs> Jesus comes into the region of Galilee, and he starts preaching. And he, pr he announces to all that hear him, the time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. Generation after generation had waited. They'd waited for God to work. They'd waited for him to come and bring the fullness of his kingdom. The prophets of old had proclaimed that God would come and, and restore the fullness of what was lost in Eden. There was a time when Adam and Eve walked with God. They walked with him and were able to, to talk about all of the things that God had made. But that was lost. It was lost and they were cast out. The intimacy with God was lost between God and man. And prophet after prophet foretold of a time that God would restore his kingdom. God would once again come upon earth and rule. But what would it look like? When would it come? You just got glimpses of it. You just hear echoes of it in each of the prophets. Isaiah speaks of it, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. All of them look forward and they say, a time will come. Even John the Baptist says a time will come, but not Jesus. Jesus says a time has come. The time is now. And the kingdom of God has come near. Now this phrase, has come near, can be translated in a really interesting way. It can be said that where he is, when he is near you, the fullness of the kingdom is present. So wherever Jesus goes, there the kingdom is. Throughout the rest of Mark's gospel, you begin to see what it looks like when the kingdom comes. It's not just better coffee, although that does end up coming, thanks be to God. It looks like sins forgiven. All those people who are cast out and forgotten. The people that everyone else has just cast aside, lepers. Lame people, prostitutes, all of them are brought in and brought near. And Jesus forgives them and restores them, and he begins to build a community around himself. And that is a sign of this coming and restored kingdom. Where Jesus is, 
the kingdom is present. And that remains true from that day till today. The time has come, the kingdom has arrived, and where Jesus is, the kingdom is present. Repent and believe this good news. He calls all who hear him to believe in this truth. They're to take it on, believe it, but when they hear it, just like we prayed a few minutes ago, they're to repent. Now this word repent, as I'm sure many of you know, isn't just trying to not do something, but it's to turn away from an old way of life and to turn to this new way of life. To turn to this completely new way of being. Jesus is calling all who hear him to, to turn away from this old way of sin, death, and the devil and to turn to him. What he's doing is making the kingdom present everywhere he goes and he's calling all who will hear him to himself. And this is what he never stops doing. Through his spirit, through his church, he calls us even today to turn away from a world that is falling apart, from a world that is sinful and broken, and to turn back to him, to repent of not just sinful practices, although there's definitely that call, but to turn away from a world that offers nothing. You know, today in that uh, epistle reading, that's something, right? If you have a wife, live like you don't have one anymore. Good luck with that. Um, what's, what's Paul saying? If you mourn, don't do it anymore. If you're happy, don't do it anymore. If you have possessions, live like you don't have them anymore. What's Paul saying? And how is it connected to the gospel? There's this completely radical, completely different way of living. And what Paul's trying to communicate is when you begin to be a part of this new kingdom, it's not that you're supposed to get rid of your wife and get rid of your possessions and not be happy and not be sad. It's that compared to the way things used to be, you're supposed to live completely differently. So when you're in a relationship with your spouse, when you're in a relationship with things, when you're in a relationship with your emotions... Christ has so radically transformed all of those things that as you engage in this life in the new kingdom, since you have repented, turned away from the old and turned to the new, it's just like it's so transformed. It's just like you're not even a part of that old way anymore, but you're now a part of something completely different. Now what we have to do is ask, is that what our lives are like? And that can be a hard thing to ask. can be a hard thing to answer. Now, the amazing thing is that the good news, the gospel, is that even if we say, you know what, my life's nothing like that. 
you know, I still fail, I still sin, I still blow it. I don't see any real significant changes. The gospel is that Christ continues to forgive and continues to call. And he says, come, follow me. And even today, he says, come, follow me. My cross, my grace, my mercy is sufficient for you. Repent and believe the good news. He was going throughout the region of Galilee, proclaiming this message. And he goes out to the sea, and there he sees Simon. He sees Andrew. And like many of us, they're just living their normal lives. Going day to day. And they hear the call. Come, follow me. I will send you out to fish for people. Come, follow me. Can you hear him call you? Can you hear the call coming in? Come, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Now, to, to Gary's chagrin, I'm not a charismatic, nor am I a charismatic son. Um, well, I, I, I'm in the grand scheme of Anglicanism and in the, you know, in the in the church. You know, I've I've never been given to, to visions. I've never I don't speak in tongues. Um, I'm very happy for those who have gifts of the spirit in the church. I'm I'm. I'm very grateful for those who have gifts to, to prophesy and, and speak words for others. But there's only one time I can ever say in my life that I've had anything even remotely close to what I might call a vision. I woke up, and I had had the most bizarre dream that I'd ever had. You know, in Acts, they talk about your young men seeing visions and dreaming dreams. And I was standing in this dream at the end of a pier. And at the end of this pier, I was fishing. Now, I grew up in Alaska, and we do a lot of fishing there. Um, so I know what fishing is supposed to be like. And as I was fishing, I wasn't pulling out fish. One by one, I would pull out human beings from the water. And... That seemed weird. I, I don't know. Um, it was an odd thing. And they would come out, and, and they would lay there on the pier, and slowly they would come to life. And I just kept doing it, and it seemed both odd and completely normal in the dream. And then I woke up, and I thought, wow, that's weird. And, <laughs> and ever since then, and it's been years now, uh, I've thought about that. This call to fish for people isn't, isn't particularly special. Now, there are some people that God calls to specific ordained ministries. Now, the call for Simon and Andrew, James and John, is a specific call to be 
one of the 12 disciples, one of the 12 apostles, and that's a specific call. Uh, he calls some people even today to specific ordained ministries, specific ordained ministries in the church, specific ministries throughout his church. But we have to remember that the call to come and follow him and the call to, to be fishers of people is a call that is consistent with the overall call to just be a follower of Jesus. And that's a call that goes out to all of us. When we read the gospel, when we hear the gospel, Jesus calls us to follow him and what it actually says is become, learn how to become a fisher of human beings. To engage in this very weird activity of going out to a pier and casting out a fishing line and in pulling out people and watching them come to life in whatever particular venue of life you're a part of. Now, for James and John, for Simon and Andrew, they have to learn how to do this. They leave their nets behind, and that's a real sacrifice for them. But for the rest of their ministry with Jesus, and for the rest of their lives, they learn what it means to follow him. And at times, it's very painful. At times, Jesus has to be very direct with them and says, if you want to follow me, he says things like, you have to take up your cross. You have to deny yourself. And then, follow me and be my disciple. Later on, Simon Peter will say something like, we left everything to follow you. I was a fisherman. I had a family business. I didn't choose to be a fisherman. I was a fisherman because my father was, and his father before him, and his father before him. And you came, you went to the Sea of Galilee, you called me, I left the nets, I left the boat, I got out of the boat, I came and followed you, I left everything to follow you. And then Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself. Take up your cross, and follow me. Simon Peter may not have known that when you follow Jesus, he may not have known at this time, when you leave your nets there at the shore, what you really have to do is take up your cross. And that's there for all of us, not just for those in ordained ministry. The cross is there for everyone. And it's different for everyone, but it's always there. And it's through the cross that all the world is drawn back to God. And it's through the cross that the kingdom, the kingdom of God, finally comes on earth as it is in heaven. And he invites us to come and share in that ministry. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.